We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charge podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday evening ahead of the Chargers Week 16 matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. Here to preview that matchup with uh, my guy, Alex. Uh, Tyler is not uh, here tonight, has, has having some uh, family issues, so wishing them nothing but the best. But uh, Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I uh, wish Tyler nothing but the best, but I am back in America. And of course, the second I come back to America, Nick Foles is the starting quarterback <laughs> of the Indianapolis Colts uh, as they come to play the Chargers. So excited for this week. Yeah, it's a big uh, backup quarterback week in the NFL, especially for Alex's rooting interests. Got Nick Foles in the game this week for the Colts. And then uh, Gardner Minshew starting for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles against the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. So big weekend for the backups. Big weekend for the backups, indeed. <laughs> so we will uh, talk about that decision by the Colts uh, to uh, go with Nick Foles uh, and everything that means, uh, you know, heading into this matchup. And, and really, if it changes much for the Chargers, I think it it could certainly change some things. But um, we'll dive into that first and foremost before we get started. Uh, this is going to be our last uh, episode until Christmas. So wish everybody who is celebrating a, a very happy holidays. If you celebrated Hanukkah. I uh, hope you had a happy Hanukkah. If you're celebrating this weekend, hope you have a great Christmas. Uh, we will not be doing our usual Saturday show. That's obviously Christmas Eve. I will be traveling to Utah uh, on Saturday on Christmas Eve, which sucks, but you know, is what it is. So I uh, just wanted to get that out of the way. Hope everyone has a great uh, time celebrating this weekend. 
Happy holidays to everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy uh, Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy, happy whatever you celebrate. Uh, here for the best time of the year, and I'm happy to be back in America to celebrate with family. And I hope everyone has a great time too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and also we are doing a ticket giveaway for the Chargers' final home game against the Rams. Uh, details there are in our uh, are pinned to our Twitter profile. So if you missed that. Uh, please go check that out. All you obviously have to do is uh, retweet and follow the post and then obviously respond uh, to the post with a screenshot of your, your subscription to our channel on YouTube. So, uh, you know, some pretty good seats. Hopefully you uh, go in there and uh, enter and hopefully we can get someone uh, in those seats and uh, make some good noise for, against the uh, the Rams on uh, New Year's Day. So, um, all right, let's dive into that decision by the Colts. I can't believe this is... The second time the the Colts have effectively benched Matt Ryan for the duration of this or for the remainder of the season, obviously going with Sam Ellinger the previous time, this time going with Nick Foles. So uh, you obviously have a, an attachment to Nick Foles that the rest of us do not, because you are also an Eagles fan. And obviously, Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl. What is your expectation, or I guess we'll start with the reaction uh, to the decision to go with Nick Foles? and then your expectation uh, for Nick Foles the rest of the way for the Colts. I'm so mystified by whatever the Colts have done this season, because if there was a time to go to Nick Foles, it was when you were like 3-3-1, three, three, and one. Matt Ryan was struggling, okay, we go to the backup. But then Jim Irsay was like, well, we're going to throw Sam Ellinger into the pot and see what he's got. <laughs> they lost a couple games, went back to Matt Ryan, fired Frank Reich, hired Jeff Saturday, and now Jeff Saturday with his job on the line presumably has gone to Nick Foles who they should have gone to probably before um you know when the season's already over like this is a time where if you wanted any to see anything from Sam Ellinger like this is kind of the time where you would want to see it right uh, just as like a young quarterback that maybe you develop maybe you don't so it's a weird time to go to Nick Foles especially with the Colts as far out of the playoffs as they are you know it seems like a move they should have made earlier but other than aside from the Colts chaos um, I guess this is the right decision to make if you want to try to sneak through some wins uh, and maybe get a couple ones. Because Matt Ryan, unfortunately for the uh, Colts, has just been a turnover machine this year. The stats are there. He's played 12 games, uh, 15, uh, 15 fumbles, 13 interceptions. Um, like I just think you're at such a disadvantage if you're starting pretty much every game knowing that Matt Ryan's going to have at the very least two turnovers. Um, so if you go to a Nick Foles, who, you know, is obviously a starter around the league, doesn't really commit a high amount of turnovers, um, and, you know, just sort of expected to game manage, maybe you can run some RPO stuff with him, uh, with some of the weapons that the Colts do have left on their team at this point, uh, and their offense, maybe it can work. Um, this is something, as I said, I would be a little bit more scared of if the Colts still had Frank Reich, because, you know, that... Frank Reich, Nick Foles connection won a Super Bowl uh, for the Eagles. I mean, this is, you know, a proven combo that's been there to work. But Nick Foles doesn't have a lot of, you know, correlation with Jeff Saturday or the people that are currently calling the Colts plays at this point. There's not a lot of chemistry there. So I'm not terribly scared of this decision. I think it gives them a slightly better chance to win than with Matt Ryan, just because I think Matt Ryan, unfortunately, the season has been really beat up. I think his arm is unfortunately, you know, pretty cooked for his own sake. So I think this gives them maybe a slightly better chance to win, but I don't have super high expectations for Nick Foles coming into this game with the Chargers defense playing as well as it is with Derwin James coming back. I think it's going to be a tough call for him. 
Yeah, uh, you know, Nick Foles himself this week said that the reason why he went to Indy was to play for Frank Reich and be, you know, the, the backup there behind Matt Ryan. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know if this changes a whole lot for the Colts. I mean, Jeff Saturday has been pretty clear that he wants to run the piss out of the ball and be that, you know, ground and pound smash mouth team. And like, that's the identity he wants to have for this team. I don't know if changing quarterbacks from Matt Ryan to Nick Foles does a whole lot. And like everything the Colts have done this year just doesn't make much sense to me. Like Nick Foles also mentioned that he wasn't even taking second team reps uh, leading up to this decision this week because Sam Ellinger was the backup. He was the one getting the second team reps and Nick Foles was uh, the scout team quarterback. And now he's going to be taking first team reps with guys that he hasn't been (laughs) throwing the ball to since training camp. Like this, this just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, are the Colts trying to win games and is Nick Foles, but maybe the, the better quarterback in the situation, maybe, I think he's certainly more willing to push the ball down the field. And that's certainly been something that Matt Ryan does not excel at at this point in his career, but the offensive line is still an issue. And we'll talk about that, you know, later on throughout the show. Um, you don't have Jonathan Taylor, you don't have Frank Reich in this game. So it just doesn't make any sense to me, you know, why a team who has nothing to play for is not going with the younger guy and Sam Ellinger. So uh, I, I don't know if this changes much for me. I know that <laughs> there were a lot of people on social media when the decision came out that it was like, oh, great, the Chargers are going to lose now. Uh, this doesn't change much for me. Like, it, it doesn't move the needle one way or the other. I still think the, the same matchups are the key matchups. Um, maybe you get, like, a, a deep ball or two from Nick Foles that you didn't get from Matt Ryan. But at the end of the day, like, this to me doesn't change how I feel about the game no in the in the macro i don't think it does um i think nick Foles gives them a slightly better chance to kind of air things out and work with a little bit more creative stuff on offense but ultimately i don't really know what their offensive vision as a team is at this point um it's kind of a really confusing situation and then you know if you want to run the ball with jeff saturday yeah like you could run some pretty killer rpo stuff if you had like jonathan taylor and a good offensive line they don't have either of those things at this point. Um, so I think that there is a world where this Colts team could, you know, theoretically work on offense if they had Reich and Taylor and the offensive line and the things that we've talked about. Um, but this is a pretty bare bones Colts team with going in with the Foles who has kind of no preparation. He was in a similar situation last year in Chicago when he got the start over the Seahawks because I think it was Andy mm-hmm. Dalton and Justin Fields who were hurt. So he was also the third stringer um, in that right. game. But you're talking about a Chargers defense that's roaring hot versus, you know, a Seahawks team that was effectively tanking towards the end of last year with Russell Wilson not playing. Um, So definitely a different situation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I meant to circle back to this from your point from earlier, but uh, Matt Ryan leads the league in turnover worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus Uh, at 26. He's uh, just a few ahead of Josh Allen and Geno Smith. So. When you're not getting the upside of those two other quarterbacks, you know, leading the league in turnover worthy plays is a big, big issue. So that could certainly, you know, be a reason for the change too. It's the only area where you don't want to be mentioned in the same sentence as Josh <laughs> Allen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh we'll we'll get to as we do every single week, a bit of the injury report from today. Obviously, the Chargers did not practice yesterday. Um, I think they only lifted and such, uh, you know, yesterday had a victory Monday. So uh, today, really the first day for the team to get into the building, um, you know, all together and on onto the field. Uh, Derwin James was at practice. He was a limited participant 
Um, this is the first time that uh, he's practiced since injury or I guess re-injuring his uh, quad. So um, we'll see what happens there. It sounded according to Brandon Staley that he looked really good in practice and that, um, you know, they, they are seeing a lot of progress there. So I lean towards Derwin playing this week, although I guess it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they were uh, to be cautious again and hold him out one more week and then, you know, have him essentially play the last two games, hopefully at 100%. Yeah, I think they played Derwin this game. He gets the limited practice in. I think they were kind of being cautious with it last week. Um, And this is a good spot sort of to get Derwin back into action before, you know, the playoffs eventually get rolling. Maybe you even can clinch a playoff spot maybe in one of the next two weeks and then have an opportunity uh, in week 18, maybe week 17, to have the potential to rest him more likely week 18 in that scenario. Um, But I definitely think this is a good week to get Derwin back on the field. Um, only thing that I'm disappointed with today and something that we expected maybe to hear is, you know, any update yeah. on Joey Bosa. And unfortunately that seems to be a note at this point. Yeah, I know we, we got the Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero tweets. Uh, I guess that was two Saturdays ago that the Chargers would be expecting him back in practice, potentially had a chance to play against the Titans. Um, that obviously did not happen. Um, they still have not activated him. They, they don't necessarily like have to activate him at any point. Like they can do that. You know, there's a, t- a 21 day window there for them to, to choose that, but you know, they could activate him tomorrow and then he could play on Sunday still theoretically. Um, doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Brandon Staley basically has said that there's no update. He's progressing well, but, um, it's, it's definitely frustrating from a reporting aspect. And I think that's my biggest thing is like, <laughs> There's a lot of like hate towards Joey Bosa for like milking an injury and like not being committed to the team and like not being a tough guy. And I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, we saw him play through, you know, a triceps injury, a knee injury, a shoulder injury, all that stuff in 2020. Um, and where he didn't really miss any games in that stretch when he was injured with all of that, all of those injuries. Um, so for me, like I know that Joey is doing his best to come back and play for this team. I just think that the the Chargers are being a little cautious. So I understand the frustration, especially given the reporting that uh, from the national side of things that they thought that there was a chance that Joey would be back by now. But, um, you know, it, it definitely is frustrating. But I understand, obviously, why the team is being cautious with their uh, most expensive player right now. Yeah, it is definitely unfortunate. Everyone wishes Joey was kind of back on the field at this point. Um, but the Chargers have always been pretty consistent. They were like, hey, maybe there's a chance down the you know stretch that he does come back, um, you know, when the in- injury first happened. And every time Brandon Staley has been asked about it, he hasn't been like, oh, well, a week or two weeks, right? He's always yeah. been like, Joey is a bit away, right? And so that has always kind of been a constant thing. Aside from whatever the national media is kind of reporting on it, uh, the Chargers have always been pretty consistent that Joey Bosa still needs uh quite a bit more time how much you know we don't know at this at this point but um yeah so i definitely think it's frustrating but like steven said he played through all those injuries in 2020 played through you know uh, getting two concussions and then coming back eventually down the stretch of the season in in 2021 right um so you know at, at this point i think that joey's obviously toughed it out through a few injuries and i think he wishes he was out there but you know i mean this is the first time like I said a couple of podcasts ago that he has gotten midseason surgery, you know, a really uh, a severity to this extent. 
So, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, they're trying to be cautious. Hopefully he does come back, you know, for this playoff stretch down, down the run, but the chargers also don't have a super big urgency to like play him right now. Right. And get him back. They're not, you know, falling behind in the playoff race. It is kind of one of those things where, you know, if the chargers were seven and seven or they were six and eight and kind of falling, you know, out of it, or, you know, needed some more help to kind of get back into the playoff picture. I wonder if Joey maybe starts ramping up earlier in those kinds of scenarios or, you know, Derwin ramped up more quickly uh, because of stuff like that. But the Chargers are in this position they're in and they've kind of earned uh, a little bit of breathing room to not play uh, Joey Bosa in this instance. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And you and uh, Frank at the same time are, are kind of talking about the same thing, same thing here. Frank says he's probably close, but they are winning, you know, get him to 100 percent to take the D to the next level in the playoffs. And I think that's, that's probably how they're approaching it. I do think that we could see him, uh, you know, make an appearance potentially against the Rams or, or, you know, I feel like at minimum, you'd like to see him out there against the Broncos in week 18, uh, you know, get his sea legs under him a little bit more. Um, but the chargers have no reason to rush him. Like both of you guys are saying, I think that's, uh, where they're at with Joey right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this has been like the national media with Jalen Hurts, for example, right? Like, but, you know, you're a team like the Eagles or a team like the Chargers right now with Joey Bosa. Like, you kind of have earned the right to maybe give him a couple more weeks rest um, with the big two wins they got over Miami and Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. In terms of the other injuries from the Chargers, um, really the only one I think to keep an eye on uh, is Bryce Callahan and his groin injury. He was limited in practice today. Um, he played last week, right? I didn't make that up. No, I believe so. He didn't play okay. the week before. Right. He didn't play so, the Miami game, right? That was the game where they were rotating Ja Taylor and all yeah. those guys in, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Now I, I, I've been, you know, focused on the other Chargers corners. I forget if Bryce Khan was out there last week. So he played last week against the Titans. Sounds like they're just being really care- careful there. Uh, same with Sebastian Joseph Day, limited with his knee issue. Um, full practices for Trey Pipkins, Chris Rumpf, and Jamari Sawyer. Um, you know, Jamari's kind of been off and on the injury report, this time with a knee injury. So he's always been a full participant in practice, but, um, you know, the guy is clearly going through some things. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I didn't know you were still reading the list. <laughs> sorry. Um, I was just going to say from the Colts side of things, um, you know, Kenny Moore, the biggest one for the Colts, obviously Jonathan Taylor, who we can certainly talk about on injured reserve, but Kenny Moore also did not practice. He hasn't played recently. I think he's missed like the last three games. Um, the, the Colts have been having, uh, my guy, Julian Blackman from, uh, Utah playing in the slot. He used to be their free safety. So a bit of a different role there for him, but, uh, Kenny Moore, one of their better players. And so him potentially being out, I think is uh you know a big deal as well yeah i mean kenny moore is their version of bryce callahan for all you know uh yeah. intense intense purposes um and if you anyone who watched the vikings game kj osborne ate in the slot uh the whole game I believe he had over you know what 150 yards of that game uh doing his work primarily out of the slot so fortunately for you guys julian blackman whose converting positions did not did not have the best game uh, but that's kind of to be expected with you know as good as kenny moore is um, so if you're talking about one absence that really impacts this game or, you know, potentially Kenny Moore playing, 
I do think he is probably the Colts injury X factor to watch uh, just because of what he could do potentially to take one of the Chargers receivers out of the game uh, and obviously could help a lot in potentially defending Keenan Allen, uh, which, you know, the, the Colts have the requisite corners to do otherwise. But having Kenny Moore help with that uh, specifically out on the field just gives them uh, a lot more defensive options and, you know. Uh, guess who the Colts defensive coordinator is, uh, you know, who, who is very familiar with uh, Keenan Allen's game and Gus Bradley. Uh, so I definitely think that Kenny Moore's inclusion or non-inclusion on the defense is something to watch there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if you prepared anything on Gus, but I think uh, the way that Gus is going to play this game is interesting to me because last year he actually, the two games that the Raiders blitzed the most in last year were against the Chargers and the amount of times that I played cover two and things like that. The most was also against the chargers. So uh, curious if we get same with Gus or if he's going to, you know, throw some wrinkles at his uh, former team again. Yeah. Curious to see if he throws some wrinkles and he'll have the same Yannick and uh that he used last year. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, Gus, Gus is a very simple man who uses his simple tools uh, that over and over again, uh, loves his guys. But, you know, he loves his guys. They they have been working for him. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see definitely how Gus attacks this week. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got Brandon Face on playing at a high level for him, which, uh, you know, is pretty surprising, I guess. But, you know, is what it is. All right. Let's uh, dive more into this uh, week 16 preview. Again, obviously, Chargers heading to uh, Indianapolis, taking on the Colts for Monday Night Football. Um, as we do every single week, we're going to talk about our uh, our key points for victory formation, things that we need to see happen for the Chargers in order to secure a victory this weekend. Um, for me, I'll start this this one off first, but for me, um, it's the way that Joe Lombardi calls this weekend's game in the red zone. Um, you know, against or on Monday, I should say. With Tyler, I kind of ranted a little bit about the third quarter offense and just like the approach there. But, um, you know, the red zone offense for this team is so frustrating to watch. Um, obviously, they were two for two last week, but they ran the ball and every single time they got into the red zone. So in terms of their efficiency in the red zone, they're one of the better rushing red zone teams in the league. Um, you know, Nick Olson, who... Uh, writes for um make sure i get this right credit him he writes for viking territory um you know he does great work over there from an analytical standpoint he shared this graph that arjun shared um that had the chargers in terms of rushing efficiency in the red zone at the same level as teams like the falcons the eagles the titans the and things like that and they're able to get in there and, and get points at a high level on the ground <laughs> The problem is that they're also around those teams with passing efficiency, which is definitely not where you want to be. You don't want to see a Justin Herbert-led team in the same uh, tier as a Marcus Mariota and Kenny Pickett team. So this, the way that this, this team and this staff calls plays in the red zone for me is something that really has to change. And I think I like what they do on the ground. But when you're getting into the red zone and you're th calling screen passes, basically like on every other play, I feel like at this point, or you're doing flat routes at all the time. Like I was hoping that the returns of Mike Williams and Donald Parham would allow them to access, you know, the uh, deeper parts of the field in terms of the end zone and be able to, you know, get some more end zone shots. And we have yet to see a Mike Williams, goal line fade which i think at this point would be a fantastic play call 
Um, we haven't seen Donald Parham on any, on any deep overs or anything like that. Granted, it was the one game. They didn't even pass it in the red zone last week. But this passing offense in the red zone has been so bad all year long. And it's because Joe Lombardi wants to work horizontally as opposed to ver- vertically, which is, you know, a problem from the 20 from between the twenties as well as the red zone. So um, this is a game where the chargers should win. They're the favorites. They're rolling, right? They're eight and six. They're in the playoffs. They absolutely have to, you know, prove that they're able to win these kind of games. If people are going to start taking them seriously again. And I think for me, they have to be able to, uh, call a better script in the red zone and be able to push the ball into the vertical parts of that field and allow Justin Herbert and company to score touchdowns uh, without having to s- throw swing passes and screen passes every other play. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that they need to be better in the red zone. Um, that's going to be a key to this game. And it's just been weird watching the Joe Lombardi offense operate because Herbert will hit you know the crazy pass to Mike Williams in the Dolphins game. Uh, and then the Chargers get in the red zone and Mike Williams isn't on the play for all three downs on goal. And, you know, that drive finishes with DeAndre Carter, you know, an intended pass for him uh, in the red zone. Right. Haven't you really used Donald Parham all that much in the red zone? Haven't really used Mike yeah. Williams that much on the red zone. So you'd like to see more of that. Um, and I definitely think this is the week where you probably need more of that passing efficiency in the red zone because the Colts, I mean, have that cover three look. Uh, it's given Justin Herbert a lot of trouble in the past. Uh, and so if this is a week to kind of break through in terms of the vertical play calling, both uh, between the twenties and in the red zone, it's this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, what is your victory formation point? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be Herbert's performance just versus cover three defenses in general. Um, we've seen this give him a lot of trouble in the past. And now that you're having a Gus Bradley, who I mean, is, kind of, I think, licking his chops this game to potentially get a chance at Justin Herbert, um, you know, with his two primary pass rushers in Pay and Yannick Ngakwe, who've been doing really well. We saw Yannick Ngakwe give Herbert, you know, problems last year because of the offensive line. And so this is a game where I think you look at, even if they don't have Penny Moore, you still have Stephon Gilmore. Uh, you still have plenty of pieces on that defense to be able to make Gus's signature look sort of work, right? He, you know, they're not going to blitz. Uh, so this is, I think, a big week for the offensive line uh, in that regard, right? If you are kind of going to have a really good Jamari game, this would be the week to have it uh, in terms of the two edges that the Colts have. And I just think Justin Herbert, it, for some reason, I, I don't think this will happen, but we sort of saw the lower end of Justin Herbert's uh, you know, performances the last year when he played. Uh, a defense, you know, like the Patriots, right? Who, you know, Gus's defense, not as creative as those kind of looks, um, but still a defense that gave him similar types of problems. Um, so I'll be very curious just to see how Justin navigates this game uh, after getting some not easy defenses to play, uh, but certainly defenses that I think haven't given him quite as much trouble uh, as this Colts defense potentially could give him. Uh, I do think because of the Colts offense, they're probably not going to have a great field position type of day. Uh, So that's something that goes in the Chargers favor. But I'll just be curious to see, you know, this is the first game that Herbert, I think, has really had to diagnose a defense more so uh, and just kind of go with the open man wherever he's given, whether that's Keenan Allen or Mike Williams on any individual play. There probably will be one in a Gus type of defense uh, and just find that hole. And obviously, Joel Lombardi is part of that, too. 
but hoping that this is a week where Justin Herbert can kind of improve his EPA versus the cover three scheme. Yeah, obviously week 18 last year was a lot of, uh, you know, they, they got down and obviously you're in the, the, the trailing aspect of things. There was, you know, a lot of fourth down conversions. So, you know, the EPA per play in that game, that specific game is a little skewed um, just because of a, a sheer volume standpoint. But the thing that really irritated me about the week, was that week four last year or week three? Where they played the, the Raiders the first time on Monday Night Football last year. I think week four. Um, it was a lot of like flat routes, right? Like it was a lot of Austin Eckler in the flats. It was a lot of Jared Cook in the flats. It was a lot of Steven Anderson. And what was really frustrating about that is that Mike Williams had, um, I think it was, uh, I can't even remember, but um, I, think that, I think the Raiders might have been on like their fourth corner of that game. Um, and Mike Williams was really just cooking that, <laughs> that four-string corner. And that was, that was the game I think early where Herbert had like the 20 yard shot to Williams and overthrew what probably would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And then like never went back to him again. That was when, um, what's his name that went to Ohio state that got kicked off the team and, uh, not rugs, the other guy, um, shoot Arnett, Arnett. Thank you. So Arnett gets injured in that game. And then Trayvon Mullen also got injured in that game. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And then Mike Williams was open like the entire game and just it was all flat routes like the entire game. I was so frustrated by it. So I, I'm hoping we see a little bit more aggressiveness in terms of the way that they work the vertical parts of the field with Mike Williams uh, this week in order to kind of make Gus's cover three looks, uh, you know, kind of stretch themselves more than we've seen other teams do in the past. Yeah, I mean, just hoping that, you know, this kind of is a Mike Williams game to, you know, for him to get involved, um, just because I don't think the Colts really have the defenders to kind of stick with him for a whole game. If Stefan Gilmore's priorities are kind of going to be elsewhere, potentially like in the Keenan Allen matchup, if Kenny Moore's not playing. Um, so this is a game where I think that, you know, you could see Mike Williams have a big game if Justin Herbert's able to find him. Uh, you know, you could see Austin Eckler have a good game, hopefully vertically as opposed to the 9 billion screens he's been getting every game. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do think this is a game where you can sort of start to get Mike Williams uh, and even somebody like Gerald Everett uh, more involved as well. Yeah, I was a little a little disappointed watching the film and the way that Mike Williams played early in that game last week against the Titans. So uh, to me, this is a week where you come out and you get Mike Williams going early. Um, again, make kind of open things up a little bit that way. Um, all right, we'll get to some key matchups here. I'll let you go first This uh, on this one. What's your uh, key matchup of the day? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Um, I think my key matchup of the day is just going to be... Wait, sorry. I'm having a mind fart right now. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe <laughs> is lining up left. Yeah, he mostly yeah. lines up against left tackle, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, that's going to be Ngakwe versus Jamari Salier. Um, I think we've seen Jamari Salier have a couple bounce back weeks uh, compared to some of the performances from earlier this season. Um, and, and again, these were matchups that were really tough for him, uh, given the spot that he was put in, uh, you know, particularly, uh, what am I thinking is like the big albatross game for Jamari Salier? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, can you remember for me? Like a game that he played poorly? Yeah, recently. Uh, probably the Raiders game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was kind of sort of the game where you sort of looked at him, uh, just didn't really have it uh, in that particular game. And so, you know, now I think Trey Pipkins, you sort of trust him to be able to hold down the other side with Quiddy Pay, um, given what Trey Pipkins has, you know, done this season. But I think Jamari Salier, just to be able to get that consistent performance from him against Yannick Ngakwe, who has given, you know, gave Herbert, you know, sort of the business in week 18 last year uh, has given, you know, the chargers a lot of problems in particular in the past. That is a matchup where I think Gus uh, just excels at using him the right amount. You know, he just kind of wins his one-on-ones and gets by. They don't really need to blitz him uh, at a particularly high rate. And, you know, so I think Ngakwe has been very good at manufacturing pressure. And, you know, so Jamari, I think has had some really good moments this season has had some uneven games too, but the Colts, you know, I don't think are going to do much creative, you know, things in terms of how they use their linemen, how they use their linebackers, how they use their corners to manufacture pressure. It's just going to be, can the Chargers withstand the edge game? Uh, and so that's going to be Yannick Ngakwe versus Jamar Salier for me. Yeah. So uh, Quiddy Pay obviously had his uh, ankle injury earlier in the season. Um, they kind of have been slowly working him back. He did play, uh, 67 snaps this past week against the Vikings. He had three pressures, one sack. So uh, potentially finding his uh, groove at the right time. So um, you you mentioned it, right? That, you know that's going to be Trey Pipkin's assignment. Gus doesn't like to move his guys around a whole lot, as we know from the Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa days. So um, you'll see a lot of one-on-one matchups with you know the guys that you highlighted. So um, in terms of Jamari, I think he's been playing well. I, I really like the way that he's progressing as a run blocker right now. Um, and I think that is something that the Chargers could potentially exploit. Um, again, they've been doing a lot more like inside zone runs and, and leak and things like that. Or I'm, I'm sorry, not leak, uh, split zone, um, duo. So they've, they've kind of pivoted more towards using a, a inside running game recently. That's not really the approach that I would have this week against this Colts defense with Grover Stewart and uh, DeForest Buckner. So I think this is a week where you could see Trey Pipkins and Jamari Sawyer kind of get after in the run game. And that's probably the way that I would use to um, be able to exploit the the Colts edges because they are good edges. I don't think um, Yannick and Quiddy Pay, I don't think are stars, but I think they're really above average players. Um, and obviously you don't want to allow them to get heated up in this in this game. No, absolutely not. Um, And, you know, I mean, just sort of kind of going back to what we were talking about, right? It was sort of Chandler Jones' uh, length in that Raiders game that sort of gave Jamari Sellier those problems. And, you know, you look at someone like Yannick Ngakwe, uh, the wingspan of Chandler Jones, 84 inches, the wingspan of Yannick Ngakwe, 80 inches, right? So he is long. 
He is fast um, and, you know, sort of fits the mold of what has given Jamari Salier uh, some problems with his tendency, you know, sort of being to play guard, right, in this tackle spot that he is playing right now. Um, so that's definitely something I'm looking at for this game. Yeah, and, you know, NSN pointing out the Chargers, the Chargers are absolutely lucky to have Jamari Sawyer this year. You know, he really saved them from a really terrible left tackle situation. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, him giving them above average left tackle play while, I mean, he's going to end up leading this rookie class in in true pass sets, which is is crazy to me. Um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, him being drafted in the sixth round and uh, playing guard for most of the off season. And then, you know, he's going to end up having the most reps at left tackle in the league in terms of rookies. And, you know, it's not been perfect. He certainly has had some weaknesses, but the good thing now is that Trey Pipkins is back and Trey Pipkins is balling out of his mind after last week. And um, they didn't send any help towards Trey Pipkins against the Titans. I don't think they necessarily needed to, but you know, you can design all of your protection plans around helping Jamari Soller if you feel like, you know, it is a big big enough mismatch this week with Yannick Ngakwe. I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think Jamari Soller will be able to hold up well. Um, but Trey Pipkins being back is huge for the protection plan because it allows them to be flexible with uh, Jamari Soller right now. I mean, thank the Lord for Jamari Soller. The season is in his end. Because <laughs> I could only imagine that we would be doing a mock draft on this preview podcast yeah. if it was Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Uh, the whole year. Uh, Storm well, and then at one point we would have had Storm Norton and Foster Serrell. Yeah, if we had Storm Norton and Foster Serrell, this would be uh, five and nine. Uh, the Chargers, you know, we we're talking about mock draft positions on this podcast. Uh, you know, we would have gone into that territory for sure. So, you know, thank <laughs> the Lord for the Jamari Salier and Trey Pipkins pairing. Yeah, uh, for the guy saying that Trey Pipkins has been trash in the chat, uh, six games that he's been healthy, he's allowed six total pressures. So, Go watch all the Foster Sarrell <laughs> games and tell me that Trey Pipkins is trash. Yeah, please watch tape. Don't don't look at Pro Football Focus's you know blocking grades. I I love Pro Football Focus. They have a lot of great data. Their offensive lineman blocking grades are atrocious. So uh, don't rely on that information for your opinions on offensive line play. Anyways, all right. So uh, my key matchup this week it is the Chargers pass rush, specifically the edge rushers against the Colts offensive tackles. So um, I think Braden Smith in the past has been a really good player, but he's not that anymore. Um, him and Jamari or him and Trey Pipkins have, uh, or excuse me, him and Jamari Sawyer have a very similar pass blocking efficiency rating. Uh, Braden Smith is up to 26 total pressures, six sacks on the season. Bernard Raymond has a similar pass blocking efficiency to Foster Sorrell. Um, you know, he's at 19 total pressures and six sacks allowed for the Colts at left tackle. So again, this, this isn't as drastic of a matchup as last week when you're talking about the worst two tackles in the league, probably in Dennis Daly and Nicholas Petit Frere, but this is a matchup where the chargers should have an advantage on the edge. So, you know, Khalil Mack, he's been rushing really, really well. He's had uh, 19 pressures in his last four games. I think this could be, I keep on saying this, right? But he's come really close the past couple of weeks to having a big sack game. Um, and I think we could see that. Obviously, Kyle Vanoy has had sacks in back-to-back weeks. Chris Rumpf had his first sack of the season uh, last week as well. So hopefully, this is a sign that the Chargers pass rush is really rounding into form. And, you know, you want to talk about, not allowing Nick Foles the opportunity to be aggressive downfield like we know that he wants to. 
I think this is the op- this is the way to do that outside of obviously having the corners play really well. But the Chargers pass rush should have a matchup advantage this week again for the second week in a row. And I think the Chargers do need to uh, you know take advantage of that matchup. Yeah. Um, wait, you said Bernard Ryman is at right tackle or left tackle? Ryman's at left tackle. Braden Smith mm-hmm. is at right tackle. I mean, look, uh, this is a game where I do not want to, I don't want to commit elder abuse. Um, and Bernard Ryman, sadly, you know, he is, he's very old. Uh, he, <laughs> as we get into the draft. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want Khalil Mack to do too much damage to him. But uh, if this is a game where that happens, then so be it. Um, I think Kyle Van Noy, obviously, coming into this game, you sort of want uh, him to continue what's been the last two weeks of really good performances for Kyle Van Noy. You know, at one point, we talked about him as someone who was ranked 111th in pass rushing efficiency. Um, so, you know, in terms of getting those pressures, he was not. But the last two weeks, he has really turned it on. Uh, and so I hope that that kind of continues while we're in this period where we wait for whether Joey Bosa is coming back or not. Um, I think if Kyle Van Noy continues to play at this level, the Chargers have a little bit more security there um, and can sort of, you know, continue to hold and, and wait for Joey Bosa to be 100%. So it would be really nice for Kyle Van Noy to have one of those games as well. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm, n- I'm not too worried about Nick Foles slinging the ball down the field per se. But if you sort of want to prevent those, you know, you want to get as much pressure on Nick Foles, obviously, as possible. Um, and, you know, sort of put him in those uncomfortable situations where he's not able to, you know, where the Colts aren't able to RPO or use play action as much or have foals roll out of the pocket at times because um, that is sort of where he's most dangerous. So if you sort of prevent him from doing those things and sort of, you know, cut the Colts offense off at the knees, so to speak, um, I think that that is a potential great start to the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kyle Vanoy has uh, combined five total pressures and two sacks his last two weeks. So, um, again, him and Chris Rumpf actually producing would be huge for this team. So um, that's my key matchup. Obviously, Chargers have to get after Nick Foles. I think you have to do that every single week. It's going to be a big thing next week as well when you're going up against the Rams and the Broncos. And so, um, you know, this pass rush finding a stride is, is huge. Obviously, Morgan Fox is a key cog in that regard as well. So um, looking forward to that. So, um, Alex, we'll move on here to do we want to do bold predictions? We haven't done bold predictions in a while, I feel like. Oh, I, I got a good bold prediction. All right, go for it. You look, the Chargers have struggled with the cover three looks. Justin Herbert struggled with the cover three looks. The Chargers have struggled getting into the red zone. What does this op- open the opportunity for? Cameron Dicker field goals, baby. The Chargers, <laughs> Cameron Dicker has a five field goal game against the Colts. Oh, I think that, you know, would that be great to watch? Probably not great television. Uh, this whole game as a whole is not great television with the Colts playing. But I do think that Cameron Dicker will convert on his opportunities. Uh, and while the Chargers win the game, I do think that the, he'll get a lot of field goal chances. Uh, and Cameron Dicker knocks in five field goals, uh, maybe one from 50 yards. Five field goals, my God. That means that the red zone offense would be atrocious again. Well, it, it would continue with the theme. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. All right, uh, everybody listening in the chat, over. let's set the over-under for Dicker. Uh, I'll say three and a half field goals because Arjun's on the under in this game too. So I think three and a half is a fair. So chat, if you're listening right now, over under three and a half field goals for Cameron Dicker this week. Um, Hey, my guy was on the Pat McAfee show. He was on the 33rd team. He was the, the Popeye's uh, box this week. So 
you know, Cameron Dicker's having a, having himself a good week. Yeah, having himself a moment. Uh, happy to have brought him, you know, spiritually to the Chargers after he hit the game-winning field goal with the Eagles. Uh, now has hit two game-winning field goals himself. Maybe he'll do it again. Maybe he'll hit four game-winning field goals, although hopefully the Chargers don't need a game-winning field goal to beat the Nick Foles-led Colts. Yeah, uh, you know, that would be that would be a big problem, I think. But as Tara points out, you know, Staley has been a little bit more aggressive lately. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. All right, my bold prediction. I don't know how bold it is because he's been playing super well, but uh, this feels like a game where Michael Davis could get his hands on a football um, you know, and, and he deserves it. I think he's playing the best ball of his career. I think he's been playing the best ball of a Chargers corner since, you know, Casey Hayward in 2019. Um, and he's not getting a ton of chances right now, but he's he's so attached. He's so locked in every single week. Uh, but it does feel like Nick Foles is going to take a couple more chances than somebody like Matt Ryan would. Uh, so I'm going to go Michael Davis, one interception, and I'll say also two additional pass breakups. Yeah, I mean, I um, think that's fair this game. I don't know if Michael Davis kind of will be the person to jump on those. Um, we've also been predicting Derwin James yeah. interceptions that haven't happened and, you know, throughout <laughs> the whole secondary this year in terms of creating turnovers. But I um, think if there's any game, it, it kind of would be this one. Definitely think Michael Davis will get some pass breakups. Definitely think Asante Samuel Jr. would get some pass breakups, but not a bad prediction at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. I think Tyler, <laughs> you know, he probably would have said that the charges would have been like 34 to zero or something like that uh, as his bold prediction. So I don't know. We'll, we'll update you guys there as well. Um, I've gotten this question a few times from, uh, regarding Cameron Dicker kind of circling back here. Um, you know, his longest of the year is 48 yards as NSA points out. Um, he's been hitting from 58, 59 in warmups pretty consistently, uh, and he apparently told Pat McAfee that he's pretty comfortable anywhere up to 60 yards. Uh, but he also said that the Chargers would probably not ha- ask him to kick from 60 yards because they have Justin Herbert. So, um, you know, he he did miss his 150 yarder, but it wasn't a distance issue. It was, it was more of an accuracy issue. So um, I, I'm where are you comfortable at with Cameron Dicker in terms of his range? Um, I think 40, 45 to 50 is fair right now. Um, I, you know, would not let him kick beyond 50, but I think that's also a Chargers philosophy thing too, right? Like Staley's just going to be like, look, if we're at 35 and it's, you know, fourth down, most of the time Staley's pretty inclined to go forward in those situations anyway. Um, I don't think that he's really going to kind of rely on Cameron Dicker to, you know, put the ball between the posts there. Um, and, you know, Staley has also kind of been on the philosophy of, you know, sort of, extending the lead, so to speak, rather than just, you know, kicking a field goal to get, you know, turn a one possession game into a one possession game, so to speak. So, um, you know, depending on the state of the game, I think, you know, Staley would be more comfortable with it. And obviously, look, if it comes time for the playoffs and it's a single elimination type of deal and Cameron Dicker has a shot at the end to win it, then you take that, I think, over, say, like a Hail Mary into the end zone for sure, um, depending on the score of the game. Um, so I think that Brandon Staley trusts Cameron Dicker, but I think Brandon Staley's philosophy in general is, you know, he's not going to roll out the kicker there for, you know, a 50 plus yard attempt, regardless of whether he sort of has Justin Tucker or he sort of has Cameron Dicker, regardless of what his kicker is. Um, you know, Staley has been pretty inclined to, to be aggressive on offense. 
um, particularly once you get inside, say, the 40-yard line. Yeah, I'm trying to find his uh, longest field goal in college. Okay, so he did have a 57-yard field goal when he was at Texas in 2019. That's That was his longest field goal. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It looks like he had a 58-yarder in 2021. So, yeah. I guess I could look up on PFF his his accuracy, but um, I, I think I'm comfortable with with Dicker out to probably like 52, 53 yards. I don't know if I would risk much more than that right now. Yeah, I mean, again, also kind of a game script issue. Like, there's not a lot of situations in which I see Brandon Staley kind of going for a 53-yard field goal. If the Chargers have a lead, I think that, you know, he'll feel comfortable going for it on fourth down. And if the Chargers are playing from behind, you know, if you're down seven points, if you're down 10 points, a 53-yard field goal doesn't do too much for your win probability, right? And win shares, like we talk about um, sometimes. So I think that, you know, given, you know, one game elimination thing, technically in the playoffs, maybe a game-winning field goal as time expires, you can talk about those situations. But right now, I just don't think going for deep field goals with thickers is really Staley's MO or really with any kicker. No, I don't think even I don't think even if Hawkins were playing, I don't think he'd be, you know, pushing the limit by going for 55, 60 yard field goals very often. I mean, the last time that we saw Hopkins, he was laboring to kick, you know, 25 <laughs> yard field goals against the Broncos in a heroic effort. Um, but I definitely don't think what would the injury is groin or his quad. Um, uh, I think yeah, it was a groin injury. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Staley would test if. 30 plus year old uh, uh, Dustin Hopkins, you know, kind of coming back from the great injury with 50 plus yarders. Um, yeah. Don't think that's Staley's MO in general, but don't think he'd test it. Yeah. So uh, just looking at his pro, uh, Cameron Dicker's pro football focus page from college, uh, he was one for two from 50 plus in every season of his career in college. So uh, he was literally four of eight, which I feel like is is decent. It's not necessarily fantastic, but, you know, four of eight from 50 plus is is uh, at least a body of work we can kind of look at. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, back in the day of like what Michael Badgley's kind of range is, right? Michael Badgley, when he first kind of came onto the scene, was knocking down 59 yarders um, and <laughs> sort, sort of had a leg from 50 plus. Yeah. Um, and then as the seasons went on, that sort of definitely regressed um, in terms of his success from 40 plus yards out with the Chargers. It was very hit or miss, became basically 50% chance from 40 plus um and so you know in that situation you know you you sort of i i think lean towards more of the fourth down stuff uh, and going for it anyway which is staley's mo like we've talked about um so i i just think dicker has the leg they trust it but at the same time you have dustin herbert right you're not necessarily playing for field goals every drive yeah absolutely um so i'm comfortable with him probably in the low 50s i would i i don't know if i want to find out if he can hit from 58 or 59 um i would just probably rather do a you know hell mary situation with justin at that point um so yeah look if we if we get it up if we get a big enough if we get a big enough lead maybe in this game then you can roll out cameron dicker for the 60 yard field goal to to break the franchise record in a dome (laughs) in lucas oil stadium it would be a special moment but uh yeah, don't get too cute. Yeah, I uh, I still can't believe that <laughs> of all the kickers that the Chargers have cycled through, I know that yeah. Michael Badgley is the one with the the franchise <laughs> record. Man, makes no sense yeah. to me. Yep. 
All right, Alex. Well, um, I don't know if we'll want to, I don't know if we'll do score predictions today because I, I just want to see if Derwin's going to play or not and who from the Colts is going to play or not. So um, we'll uh, we'll tweet out our score predictions, you know, at a later point. And we, we I didn't get Tyler's either. So uh, we'll hold off there. But um, your uh, your final thoughts as we head out for the rest of the night. And obviously, you know, we're not going to have our usual Saturday so show. So uh, where's your head at in terms of this upcoming matchup overall? Uh, big game for the Chargers. I mean, can basically potentially clinch uh, the playoffs this week, which is weird to say considering where we were three weeks ago. Um, you know, going into that Dolphins game thinking we were going to get blown out. They've gotten two big wins over the Dolphins and the Titans, um, but got to consolidate it against these struggling teams too. Uh, yeah. And they have an easy schedule, you know, down the stretch with this you know, Colts game, the Rams game, the Broncos game. Um, but got to take advantage of of the cupcakes on your schedule if you have them so to speak and we've seen the chargers get themselves into uh, a fair number of trap games that were more complicated than they probably should have been so hopefully this is a game where you know the chargers just kind of have everything together they can you know put i think the the playoff conversation to bed even if they don't technically clinch this week uh, a win would go a long way in doing that and just sort of you know going another week you know getting a win here also big potentially if you get a chance to rest when week 18 um, so just think they got to take care of business against the Jeff Saturday and Nick Foles Colts, uh, which is not a sentence I thought I would be saying before the season that started with Frank Reich and Matt Ryan. Yeah. Um, but here we are, uh, update for anyone watching Thursday night football, I guess the Jags are up 13 to three, which is very good news for the chargers who that is part of their clinching scenario this week. Also got to root for Doug's Jags. <laughs> yeah you know um unfortunately that the titans are going to essentially work themselves out because of injuries you know ryan Tannehill being out potentially for the rest of the year um but uh just the the jaguars just have you know better vibes all around and i think you know trevor lawrence getting into the playoffs i think is better for the league as a whole um so they're, they're more fun and i think they would put up a better fight against uh whoever is the five seed ultimately than titans would 100 um all right so in terms of my final thoughts this this it's not necessarily a must-win game right like i i think the chargers don't necessarily have to win obviously it'd be fantastic to to you know come out victorious here on monday night i think for me the biggest thing is to be you know come in and execute a clean game like if the chargers play a clean game and, and lose by a field goal or something like that i'll be able to live with that i am going to pick them to win um, but to me, this is, this is a game where I, I think the chargers just need to be able to come in and handle their business. And I think that's the biggest thing. Everything's all positive right now. Um, Brandon Staley said on Monday that the team's been kind of re-energized by winning these two games and there's a lot of confidence and, you know, Drew Tranquil has been talking about, you know, there being some just kind of a different feel to the locker room over the last few weeks as it kind of, you know, navigated this kind of situation. And so I just need to see it, right? Like we haven't necessarily seen a super clean game all around from the whole team. Um, even winning these past two games, it's been, you know, some, some missteps here and there from the offense or, uh, you know, Michael Davis tripping or the fumble issue from <laughs> against Tyree kill, or, or, you know, allowing Ryan Tannehill with on one leg to kind of march down the field in a two minute situation. So I just want to see the chargers execute a clean game and not necessarily fall into the same kind of trap game that we've seen them in the past. So I'm okay if they lose, but if it's a clean game, if they're, you know, getting down early in this game and having to scrape and claw their way back, like I, I think that's just not an advantageous situation for the Chargers to be in this week. 
So start fast, be competitive throughout, <laughs> score a touchdown in the third quarter. That'd be freaking cool. Um, and just be able to show that they, they can play a clean game in this kind of situation, as opposed to years past where this is a game where they kind of would, uh, you know, not be able to do that this week. Looks like you good. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like we got uh jets. Yeah. Fans. Uh, yeah. I, I... Sorry, Alex. Oh, we have jets fans in the chat. Oh, jets, jets fans booing Zach Wilson. Uh, is that <laughs> what people are saying in the chat. Um, yeah. So, uh, not, not a pretty effort in New York. Uh, unfortunate that Mike White got hurt for them, but I don't even understand if they gave up on Zach Wilson, why they're, or why they gave up on Zach Wilson earlier and not playing Joe Flacco now because Joe Flacco could probably win them a couple of these games. Um, so just a weird decision all around for that team, but eh, anything to help us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I think with Joe Flacco, they'd probably beat the lions last week. Uh, so, you know, 100% it is. So, all right, man. Uh, appreciate you stopping by today. Glad that you're back in the States safe and sound. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat today. If you are, uh, just tuning in, we are doing a giveaway for tickets to the Rams game next week, so go check that out. If you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, be sure to re- leave us a rating or review. Um, we'll uh, confirm our plans for Monday night in terms of our recap, obviously Christmas weekend, so I'm going to be in Utah. Um, so we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll let you guys know exactly when that's happening. But imagine it just kind of happens right after the game. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens there. So, um, again, wish Tyler and his family nothing but the best. Send some positive vibes that way. And I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys on Monday.